This episode of Lightning Strikes Thrice is brought to you by our incredible patrons. Patrons like Samplos. If you want to help us keep making the show like they do, you can visit pitchdrop.cash and contribute as little as a buck a month. We really appreciate it. You are listening to Lightning Strikes Thrice, a JRPG Games Club podcast. This is Season 10, Episode 4, covering days 11 through 14 of Wolfstride. I'm your host, Chris Taylor, and with me is... Sybil Arnett. And Ryan Beatty. Who wants to remember what happened last time? Oh, God. We fought a tinkerer. A person who was known, who has siblings and was known for being able to repair a junker. That was the end, though. We um, got Peepu as a training menu and like a permanent party member. We yeah. got the pineapple god. Yeah. You did. Yeah, I didn't I didn't meet him until until this episode either. Uh he's Katamari Damacy as fuck. Yeah. Right. Okay. Uh Nebraska showed up. Uh, mm-hmm. Shade's maybe daughter, and there was definite a lot daughter. of like definite daughter, but he he was avoiding it during the episode. Yeah, until the end, mm-hmm. and that sent Shade into a little bit of a crisis because he is continuing to try to run away from his past. Uh, fancy and Jack, was, yeah. Fancy Jack had a heart-to-heart with Shade about uh, being in love and trying to get girls. And he was like, wait, you've only had one girlfriend? Idiot. I like you more now. And then he, he was came gonna... out as gender fluid. True. <laughs> and uh, then he was, uh, Shade was initially going to make Nebraska leave. But then he was like, actually, I talked to your mom. You can stay for another week because it's mecha season. I think we hit all the highlights. Okay. And we start today on day 11, 52 days remaining. So once again, more GW narration. It was a hot day under a big rock, I can tell you that much. We split it pretty much 50-50. A crew needs a captain. A captain needs a tight ass and an open mind. I was blessed with both. How much, you say? How about two and a half each? Good money. Start over money. Free to be whoever we'd like to be. Forget the screw-ups. Last time I saw the three of them, we bailed for good. Didn't leave as much as a scent in the wind. To see each other again, that was never the plan. And so we pop in on the usual morning roundtable. Duke says we all had a great night out together, so what comes next? Shade says we're going to keep climbing the ranks. And Knife asks if we could pick our next opponent. Duke says, you know... Pick an easy ride, not too hard fights, make some money, and bail out. Nebraska says we don't have a lot of time left if we're going to make it into the finals, and Shade says, oh yeah, no, we're definitely going for the finals. It's going to be a wild ride. Sorry, dude. Nebraska points out that the higher-ranked mechs get more cash per battle, so they're going to have more resources and be all the tougher for it. After this little roundtable, 
we get an opportunity to check in on the crew before uh, stepping out of the hangar and going out into town. Uh, this is a free roam day. There are no tasks or quests to do at first, so you can just kind of bumble around where you want. Uh, when we check in at the hangar, Knife feels like he has not been giving it his all and wants a real challenge for his next fight. Uh, people who is bored and wants to go on a road trip, saying humans don't appreciate the natural beauty of the world. Uh, they always he, on their phones. Yeah. Uh, when when Shade is like, wait, what? Like you you don't like people. He gets extremely threatening again. Duke is unsure about how good of an idea it is for Nebraska to stay, but defers to Shade. Nebraska wonders if it's even possible for us to climb up all the ranks between us and the top in the short time that we have. So this is where I confess that this is where I decided my run was going to be Knife Leopard style, which is that I'm only going to interact with the outside world as much as my trainer, i.e. the UI, makes me, and otherwise I'm just going to stick exclusively to the hangar for this run to add some challenge for it. Real challenge. <laughs> Uh, gr- it'll be great to see how that goes, especially because like kind the first of the two days of-, of this were free days, so I just kept t- going to sleep. Mm. Well, it's interesting because like the I this is the the theme of this episode is that I really appreciated the freedom of the free roam days to just kind of like wander around and do what I wanted. It felt like I was like fully engaging with the loop, and also as we'll discuss systems and mini games to expand our character continue to get unlocked you know we're like 10 hours in at this point uh really i'm 10 hours in at this point and uh like new shit still keeps getting presented to me and i was like really pleasantly surprised by that it <laughs> starts to have like the rhythm of like uh friends of ringo ishikawa right where like it's originally very story heavy and then you continually just open up new things to do and the story mm-hmm. takes more of a backseat and all the people that you hang out with and the things you do become more prominent. Totally. So in our free roam, when we hit hit up the uh, crap yard, you immediately notice that basically all of the cats are missing. And uh, when we ask ZZ about it, she says her cats fled because it's time for their annual bath and we get an optional task to hunt them all down. A bunch of these are hidden really well. My favorite is the one in the bar with Joy, which also has like a little afro and sunglasses. Yeah. A couple of them are some cute jokes. I did run into them on the day of the fight. This finally unlocked for me. Yeah. Um, I think their stuff like numbs with this character starts this cat flag, which then when you complete it, uh, the next day flags that you can do this job. So I think that a bunch of things are flagged based on numbers of check-ins since a, past a certain point of time and stuff like that. So like, I think you lightning mm. returning it, like wh- how I just slept for the last seven days, will have some impacts in play. Mm-hmm. Doing this quest is well worth it because as a reward, we get our first core, which goes in the currently empty accessory slot in our mech which adds 35 to all of our repair abilities and allows us to bank up to two nanofluid drives because previously we just had to burn it the second we had it. Otherwise, we were wasting gauge recharge. Yeah, 
Uh, that's great. The the thing that makes this little side quest work uh, is that all of the cats are visible in the world, even if they're like well camouflaged uh, or barely. Oh god, visible. the one in Hogsyard by the card headlight, car headlight is so hidden. Yeah, uh, I also it took I I had like one left and it was like on a telephone pole above me and it it took me forever. But like this would have been a terrible side quest if you had to like go searching inside trash cans and shit. But thankfully, it's just yeah. like a black and white. Where's Waldo instead? I one of my yeah. favorite ones is the one in the rambling rambler and gambler sitting exactly in front of where the cat statue already was. Yes. Oh my god. Yeah, that one was mean, but also hilarious. There's there's basically they all have like weird. They all had different facial patterns, which was like interesting to look at when you go to the crapyard. And then you do this and you're like, oh, no, they're all like that. So they're all extremely well disguised. Uh-huh. The biggest giveaway is they have a very cubist head, which part of it will be sticking out. Yeah, except that doesn't work when you get to the one on the side of the road where it just looks like the so- that cube head is the same size and shape as the sign on the uh, highway barrier. <laughs> yeah. So a couple of things here. Uh, one is that when you successfully collect all of them, she's really excited that we found all of her cats and that we like went out of our way. And, you know, we are. It, oh, also, this quest is called Catman uh, because, you know, cats are a fan of us. And that is why Duke continues to call us Catman. But um, he also calls us t- Catman because he's a dog and he hates us. Yeah, also true. A little little double joke there. Uh, So they are named after the like NATO military codes for the letters of the alphabet, like Alpha, Bravo, Charlie, Zulu, etc. Puddin is one of them. And that Uh was the first cat that I clicked on after I rescued them all. And there was like this unique dialogue for Puddin and also this unique dialogue for Charlie, who's like too sweet and dumb to actually escape. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh God, they made 26 unique lines of dialogue for this shit. And then it turns out those were the only two. So I was glad that I didn't have to read 26 individual cat descriptions, but the two that we got are great. Also, uh, ZZ's line read on her saying Puddin, uh, it, really elevated what could have been an extremely rote line reading just like the love that she goes put in made me smile yeah the the voice acting here continues to be like excellent regardless of like not all the things they say are fantastic but the way they deliver it is really good in this game yeah oh also i like that there are like four different sound clips of meows that they have when you uh when you find a new cat and so you'll just like get slight variations on on the meow that they give you when when you first click on them which is cute same thing with the extremely good pair of sounds Mm-mm. and that's the only thing there really is to do today so we head back to the day round table where shade announces the crew's next fight we'll be fighting momoko piloted by adaga uh, the gang bullies Pipu into looking it up, and Pipu spills the beans. Momoko is a basically a skull with crab legs and like really disproportionately long arms. Uh, Momoko is a fast hitter and uses a lot of area of effect moves, which means like playing the zoning game is not viable here. And it also has a charge move, and the cockpit is in the chin. Uh, Nebraska recognizes the mech model; they're often used for mining. Uh, on hearing this, Duke is pleased that Shade listened to him for once and picked an easy fight. 
And this turns out not to be necessarily true because she's ranked 283, seven ranks above us. I like the mention that uh, the mechs here, that there's one kind of mech that's used for mining labor because we don't know what mechs are were used for other than some vague war that happened in the past and then junkyard brawls uh and so i was like okay what purpose do mechs serve in the world of wolfstride and it's nice to know okay so there were military mechs at the very least and funnily enough if you go into the part shop that uh zz's part shop um there are jokes like uh in the rambler and gambler for the items but there are also some little bit of little bits of lore so like the tnk frame for example just says used by the military the military who lost the war yeah love that one yeah it's great and so we are at day 12 now with two days to momoko GW narrates again. We did. That's all. No going back, no looking behind. We had them. We cashed in and out. Gone and done. That's the beauty of it. They never knew what hit them. The maids, the ostriches, front door, back door, the iceberg. Well, I told you I was going to throw a hell of a party. We did just that. And so, again, it's a round table to start the day. Duke thinks we're going to win this because Momoko's name is something he cannot take seriously. Pipu is sad that Duke does not like him, even though he's trying to be a people pleaser. It makes him feel lonely. I love Pipu's opinion of what a people pleaser is. <laughs> it's, it's certainly something. Knife misses GW a bit, saying that his absence feels like a big hole in their lives. And Nebraska tells us Adaga is part of the Lamina tribe, who are ancient natives to the USSA. Still don't know how to how to take this. Also, uh, uh, Adaga it ends up being just deeply weird, um, and I think they're trying to make fun of some like indigenous tropes here, but it it's it's a little goofy. But yeah, she's like, like a little like freak. the game. Yeah. So a uh, couple quick things here. Number one, because I am under the impression that I only have a week here with Nebraska, I've been trying to max out her pineapples before everybody else. Uh-huh. And the first gift that you get as, you know, to, by reaching, I think it's like level three of pineapples Ooh. is a BDSM upgrade uh, for the biking mini game. And I was like, oh, sweet. Now I can finally clear the first map. But it's only max speed plus 10%, which is still hilariously inadequate to clear the first BDSM map. So you get something that lets you get like another 15 feet farther. Yeah, you need really need the time upgrade for that to be good. Mm hmm. So while we're pausing, I just want to talk about, I, either I missed something or there were rewrites or what, but when you are done with this fight, everyone keeps referring to Adaga as an alien. Do they? Yeah. Yes. They do. Um, I don't know what that's about yet either. Yeah, the... Maybe it's an ancient aliens joke. I don't know. But yeah, they they explain away some of the incredible weirdness in the read with, well, you beat up that alien, dude. 
or knife. Mm -hmm. So we can head back into the loop again. This is another free roam day. If we finished the cat collecting side quest yesterday, then uh, a new job is available from ZZ, the cat bath. Uh, this is just a mini game. It's a it's a Simon Says mini game where a series of increasingly long prompts appear on screen and you do them as fast as you can until the 30 second timer runs out or you make three mistakes, which uh, makes the cats uh, scratch you and uh, and and deplete your health. This is the new best job in terms of uh, the amount of money that you can make in the ratio to real lifetime. Uh, I will say that uh, this is the first time where playing on the Switch has become a kind of grumpy making because of the XY flip between the Switch controller and the Xbox controllers. And so I messed up a lot until I like actually started looking at the button, looking down at the buttons on my Switch to be like, oh, right, X is there, Y is there. So I oh, will love this I'm bad game. at this for the same reason. As a guy yeah. who plays a lot of PlayStation 2, yep. plays all of my PC games with an Xbox One controller, and then also plays the Switch a lot. Uh-huh. I was yeah. going to point out that, yeah, I... Did and I tried the keyboard, by the way, just as bad because mm. I have switched to a non QWERTY layout. Ha! So I'm just bad at this mini game, no matter what. Yeah, I hate it because especially it's all Xbox prompts and I've never owned an Xbox in my life. So that always gets me with the flipped buttons. But it has the X in such a different font that I keep thinking it's the cross button on the PS4 and that lost me this thing repeatedly. Woof. Good news. We're going to get a new, even better minigame. Oh, yeah. I love that minigame so much. Yeah. Ugh. And you don't need all of the cats. You just need to return one. Oh, oh. really? Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. I, okay. I was talking to her to see if there was a count on how many I was missing, and there was not, but it did unlock this minigame. I'm still not done with the Catman quest. I'm going to Pretty easy, actually. Just don't have the tub full of water to put them in it. That's all you got to do. Get a cup and pour yeah. it over them. <laughs> it's easy. They don't care about that. Oh, they. Mm, some of them do. Some of them do. If you close the bathroom door, they'll try to get out a couple of times, and then they'll just give up and make sad sounds the whole time. I had one sure. that loved the sink and would try to drink from it, so basically we just let him get in there, turned it on a little higher, and he would just kind of bathe himself that way. I love sink cats. They're always mm. very goofy. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Sink cats are great. So there are uh, 24 cats to find, I believe, because there's 26 cats in total. 25 cats to find, because there's 26 cats in total, and Charlie is just hanging out. And uh, when you go back, this is how I found out if I was missing any. Um, I didn't realize that there were going to be 26 in total, uh, but I, it, the the number of cats that you've rescued pop up so you can count them. Unfortunately, they still love to camouflage. And so I like thought that I was missing one and kept like running around the other areas. And then I went back to ZZ and she was like, you found them all. I was like, oh, I counted 26 wrong on the screen. It, there's like a yeah, quest log update every time you get one, but the quest log text doesn't change. And the only meaningful update is, is there a check in the box or not? Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. That's why I don't know how many I'm missing offhand. At the bar, uh, yet another shady silent stranger has appeared. 
they keep multiplying. Uh, and this one is meditating on a barrel in cowboy clothes with a sword on its back. Uh, this stranger, nonverbal. Uh, importantly, Lionel and Moonshine are back. The uh, two people we can eavesdrop in on the booth past Joy. Lionel says that Moonshine has proved her worth and he wants to know what her plan is. And Moonshine says, now we wait. The dance floor is heating up and soon it will boil over. Being an old gruff type, Lionel does not understand this metaphor. And says, and she says that uh, this place is soon to be crowded with bounty hunters and mercs. They're on the right track, but can't make a move now because they're being watched. They got to wait for someone else to hit the floor first. Then they'll make their move. Uh, and then at this point, it becomes worth pointing out that the bounty hunters and mercenaries did not start showing up into the rider until the start of their absence. Hmm. Like they have gone out and the person they are looking for is making them draw a lot of bounty hunters and mercenaries to Rain City. Mm, okay. Mm-hmm. As don't, uh, just a reminder, they are hunting down a renowned assassin named Lullaby. Right. And that takes us to day 13. We are one day out from the Momoko fight, and we kick off with more GW narration. He was a key piece, you know. We were in it together, all of us. I'll never trust a man again the way I did with the boys. We were blood and bone. Same bones, same boat. Nothing to lose. The Alf dead motherfucker. Incredible typo. But Wolf, he was... Incredible typo. (laughs) Do you want to read that correctly? What's correctly? The all dead, not the elf dead motherfucker society. <laughs> Look, I'm going to be honest. I'm skipping the GW monologues. I don't care. You just about teleprompted him. that in an incredible way. <laughs> yeah, it was much funnier than anything GW will ever say. The all dead GW motherfucker. society. not a comedy character. I don't know. I think this is written to be actually ironic. The all dead motherfucker society. But Wolf, he was fearless. I'll tell you that. I'll never forget his eyes. How do you feel about this, right? Do you think that the game thinks GW is cool, or do you think that GW thinks GW is cool? It's, I mean, it's complicated by the fact that, all, like, the specter of GW hangs really heavily in the narrative for our characters, and we're about to get another discussion of them, like, talking about who GW is. So it's like, GW thinks GW is cool, and also GW's crew thought GW was cool and was the guy holding them all together. I don't think they thought he was cool. They like all describe him as having like a magnetic personality, but yeah. no one says like GW is cool. He was just the guy that drew us together in like group ringly, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, that's true. It yeah. it does it it feels very self-consciously badass um for sure but uh, this the the tonality of this game is sometimes hard to grasp until like i get some context for it in a couple of hours you know yeah i will lay down money that gw if we ever get any fuller picture of the guy than just reminisces is definitely as corny as knife leopard <laughs> God, I love Knife Leopard. What a sweet boy. Yeah, he really is. I'm he is like and the fucking yeah, just the this the the sunny disposition himbo of our dreams. Uh yeah, so there is no start of day round table here, but when we head up 
the ladder to do the crew rounds, Pipu stops us. He uh, training knife is 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 harder than he anticipated, and he's just kind of like flying blind here. And so Nebraska suggests that they find uh, some some fighting reference points. People who's like, he's already watching fight videos. And Nebraska is like, well, Shade and I used to watch a lot of old kung fu movies together. And uh, people who's like, nope, I'm not doing that shit. The last time that I tried downloading a video, I got a bunch of computer viruses. And as a result, uh, we need to go find him some. I love that he uses the line, an army of Trojans. That's very funny to me. Yes. That's good. That's a good and, job. And uh, Nebraska's like, well, maybe there's a video shop somewhere, and we'll find the video shop somewhere very shortly. Love this, by the way, as a guy that watched a lot of dubbed late 80s, early 90s martial arts movies with my dad, deeply relatable. I just started subscribing to Arrow, which basically is nothing but a bunch of these. So Hell yeah. Yeah, it's good stuff. Highly recommend. When we do our crew check-in, the movie Peepoo was trying to download was a fruit documentary called something like Apple Train. I have no idea what this is supposed to be. I took a lot of searches around. The closest thing I could hit in a lot of very vague word replacements on that was I did have a search engine come up with Fruit Fail Station. I don't think that's right. Duke Chu shouts Shade over such another short notice fight, and Nebraska bemoans that her time with us is going by too fast. Love to put a time limit on how long your daughter can hang out with you. At the crackyard, <laughs> a new tier of gear becomes available. Uh, you don't have to check in for this ever because you always have like the pre-fight thing, but I like to check in early. I like to check it earlier because you don't know how much money things are going to cost, and at that point, you're locked in and can't do all. The movie shop winds up being on the uh, dilapidated city screen right before the rider. And right now, the only choice is Sanchiro Sugata for a dollar. As far as I have seen in these, they're all real movies and they're all Akira Kurosawa films. And thus far, with, again, only two, they are all in the chronological order of his career. So I guess we'll see if that holds. May I recommend living near the Scarecrow, so you can rent every Kurosawa movie. Yeah. We had Kensington Video for years where I could do that until they finally closed, just in the middle <clears throat> of the pandemic. Brutal. Yep. Uh, this actually, this, the fact that they were all Kurosawa movies made me lose some respect for Duke as a character, because at the end of each movie, he goes, man, that was a load of crap. It's like, man, that's not what you say when you're watching the fucking hidden fortress my yeah. guy deeply offended as a guy with an akiru poster in his hallway love to be reminded of the <laughs> mo- one of the most depressing movies you can watch also i do hate that the first time you watch one of these there's a big scene and dialogue from everyone and then afterwards it just plays the same canned animation and duke calls it crap hmm. also duke slept through the whole thing which is my favorite part of this yeah. Duke slept through the whole thing while pinning Pipu down upside down. So we now have one new option at the hangar, which is watch a movie as a Pipu option. By doing this, if you have any fresh tapes, you will unlock a new stance. Our first one is Brawler. 
this is the final thing on the pilot screen that had a no empty slot in it. And so this will play into a new mechanic introduced here, the morale meter. As we do certain things in battle dictated by the stance, the morale meter, which is basically a frame around your pilot portrait, goes up. When it fills, you do bonus damage for a turn, and you can stack huge bonuses by timing everything out. Yeah, like Brothers. if you time this out with being on an attack tile while having your opponent cornered, you could be looking at like like a plus 50, depending on your stance. Hmm. Brawler stance obviously likes dealing damage while directly next to the opponent and gives 10 bonus damage when the meter fills. Uh, something about these is that all of them that we see in this update, at least, have a the stance likes X for 10%. The stance loves whatever for either 20 or I think one that shows up as 30%, but they're harder yeah. conditions to hit. Yeah. And the um, the amount of damage boost that you get when the meter fills is also based on how difficult the condition. Mm-hmm. Mm. So I love the stance system. It finally feels like there is there there are enough mechanics going on. There are enough interacting systems that like the fights will feel fresh and I will like want to mess like tweak my build a little bit, look at what like the best stance is going to be and then approach the next fight like that. Uh the issue right now is that I don't have enough attack points to be like all brawler all the time because right now the only physical moves like the only like hand-to-hand -hand moves that i have available all cost uh two ap and the only thing that i have that's one ap is firing my gun don't you have a uh, so, crappy punch you could equip oh i do have crappy punch but because it, it it its attack power is so low i forgot about it yeah but so for example i think in this fight i have four ap like, if you're using Brawler and you corner your opponent and you're using Crappy Punch, you do an intense amount of damage that way. That's not what I did, but, like, you could do that by just slightly tweaking your moves and being willing to, like, go with a bunch of low HP parts to get more AP and boost. Mm, okay. Chris Taylor voice, you didn't min-max hard enough. <laughs> you're complaining that I min-max too much. Well, there's a difference between exploiting systems provided for a mechanical benefit and then spending a bunch of time to obviate them. You know what I mean? I turned the entire game into a casino and kept winning. How is that not you, playing you're gonna get mechanics? a literal. You're going to get a literal casino later that makes you money, which is why this is fun <laughs> to me. It's too bad I have the entire cap of the money system already. Wow. What What's your play clock at right now, Sybil? 56 hours? Oh, my God. Ooh. You can 100% this game in, like, 22 hours. <laughs> well, good news. I've done most of that work already. So, uh, we're at the end of the day. Um, Nebraska has already turned in, and everyone else is drinking and playing dominoes. Duke is in a really bad mood. He can't sleep. He keeps wondering why it's so easy to lose money. Why are they sitting around like losers, like in the old days? Feels like uh, to him like he's been chasing his tail his whole life. Shade is honest with him and is like, you gambled it away. Duke says, 
yeah, well, but he's crawling in debt. It, it, you know, he's like, yeah, I gambled, but I never won. So what does it matter? Um, so now he's crawling with debt. He's done for, and he needs for them to make it to the finals or else he and his mother are screwed. I really like the phrase crawling, uh, crawling with debt because like, if you got it, it just hangs on you in a way you can't get over. So like, like the thing that makes you think of being swarmed with insects is like a really, really good analogy for that. Shade is surprised his mother is still alive, and Duke says she is she used to be. He could tell she's getting old. She walks different, is getting soft, and saying things she's never said before, which, based on how Duke is, we can assume is things like, I love you, and you were a great son. Duke isn't, <laughs> Probably. Duke is in debt to shady people, and he does not want her caught up in it. So, look, I've never personally had a gambling problem, but... Duke being hounded by debt and worried about his aging mom is still highly relatable yeah. to me. I don't like that. I don't like to think about I'll be, I, I'm, my hair's falling out. Don't like to think about people getting old. Fine that I'm going to get old and die. Yeah. But it's sad when people you ha. know get old and die. Ha. I no, totally agree. <laughs> no fucking comment is all I'm going to say because this podcast would get too real too quick. Yeah. Mm. It's so this is like one of those things right here where five seconds ago you can be bathing cats and getting clawed at and now you're thinking about how your parents are going to get old and die yeah yeah it uh, when when wolfstride's tonal trick works it really really works for me knife can't help duke with the money he gave all his heist money to his sister who used it to open an orphanage and also start a fund to help single mothers like herself why are you like this knife? Please stop. Shade asks how much he needs, and Duke tells him it's almost triple what they got from the heist, about $7.5 million. Duke asks Shade where his share of the money went, and Shade says he used it to pay off a debt, which did not work out. The group discusses how, well, you know, we're back together again trying to pull it out of our ass, but this time we're one man short. Duke makes a comment that he does not understand GW because he spent all his money on a robot and then, quote, what he did to his body, which is not elaborated on. This is, this is definitely, like, to keep it keep it real light, this is, like, definitely some self, successful self-harm is what, what is implied here. Mm, okay, yeah, I was like, I, I was like, yeah, is he is he self-harming? Or is did he like go crazy with body no, mods? I think, or what, I what's think this is self harm with a purpose, given that GW is gone, and the way that people don't understand right. how it happened, given how GW was. Mm-hmm. Look, I'm going to be honest. I have a theory that GW has decided to put his goddamn brain in the robot. <laughs> that would also be incredible. Mm. That has just been my theory based on how we discuss this character the whole time and why he would use it to bring them together. Anyhow, there's more talk about GW's magical personality, and Duke reminds them that, you know, they're in this deep enough they gotta pull it off. And also, this time he's done gambling for real. It's not about him anymore. It's about his mother now. A couple of line readings that that um, popped out at me. One is uh, when they ta- they're talking about GW and they're like, "Do you, you know, do you, 
do you think he was like putting one over on us? And they're like, no, that's not, that wasn't his vibe. But like when you were around GW, it seemed like reality would break at any second. You'd manic pixie dream friend. Um, and then also, uh, so I love in this scene, Peepoo just like laying out the sunny disposition man, stormy disposition man meme where uh, Duke and, and, and Shade are talking about how miserable they are. And Peepoo goes, I don't know, donkey brains, meaning knife, seems to be doing pretty fine here. You're the ones all low and gloomy like losers. So uh, just, you know, Peepoo's secret for happiness is just to uh, think less. Yeah, well... He also says, I don't know what you're talking about. You guys who wasted two and a half million dollars. Yeah. Yeah, one of them has something to show for it, which is, hey, I did a net good in the world. Knife Leopard at this point, the kind of person who is too nice that makes me mad. (laughs) Also, you misquoted a line. What they say is none of them can remember in full how the heist went down. And they ask, did GW drug us? Right, right. Thank you. Yes. Which is a wild thing to wonder about your friend right before a heist. But they don't actually believe that he would do it. Yeah, but they, they are all finding it very odd that none of them can clearly remember what went down. Mm hmm. Then we hit day 14, which is called Momoko, because we're going to fight Momoko, and there are 49 days remaining, and we get yet another GW recap. They're really coming fast and furious in this episode. I don't think they were every day before this episode, really. I believe it's only Um, in chapter two. Because this chapter is basically about GW and the formation of the group. Right, right. So the GW narration for today says... Once in a lifetime, there's a gap. Either you jump in or not. That's not going to define what you'll be for the rest of it. It doesn't come without the risks. Freedom comes at a price. I don't regret it, jumping deep, doing the impossible. When the time came, I was ready for the heist. What we stole that day, it was so much more than pieces of paper. We got back our rights to dream. That pieces of paper line is so good to me. Yeah. GW voiceovers are kind of hit and miss for me. This one was great. Yeah. At the start of day roundtable, everyone is super fired up. Uh, Duke is even more fired up than he usually is and also more fired up than everybody else. And uh, Shade gets a message from Hog saying that he's got something mind-blowing to show him. Uh Uh-huh. So we head over to the crapyard, and that thing is a stash of landmines. Uh, (laughs) We get a new job here. Uh, We... Blow up a landmine, sending junk high into the sky, and then it starts falling down in three lanes. Uh, What you want to do here is catch the white junk, avoid the trash eaters by holding LB to go left to the left lane, RB to go to the right lane. Uh, Nothing is neutral. Catching the trash eaters costs some of the stuff you already caught and wastes time in the game 
and you could get turbo fucking clowned on because you have to mash A to get rid of them, but you still have to be paying attention to the lanes, otherwise you're just going to catch another one right away. This is by far and away the best way to earn money until the late game. Uh, this is... I played a ton of Game & Watch as a kid, and this is basically uh, an extremely sped-up version of, I think, the Mickey Mouse Game & Watch game, and I loved it for that. Uh, it was... This this minigame was very fun to me. I... There, and also, it starts with a cutscene every time, but the first time you watch it, it's so good because you're just doing the other junk-digging minigame, and then Hog just fucking throws a landmine under where your shovel's about to hit. <laughs> very good. Yeah, it is good. And then also, while we're here, we can ask Hog about Fancy Jack, and he says, we have reignited his passion for life and mech combat when we... So at the RNG... Kaya is not at the counter. We can talk to Sayuki instead, who tells us to beat it unless we're going to buy, except we can't buy anything. Yeah. At the Rider, you can pick up a new movie, The Hidden Fortress, and Lionel and Moonshine are gone again. And at the Hangar, The Hidden Fortress gives you the Defender Stance, which charges when you use a defense skill and defend an attack with a taunt for a 30-plus meter I kind of hate the stance system just because all of them are so antithetical to my play style. Well, so you'll far. get one. You'll get like a range stance. I better. <laughs> and then we go to the Momoko fight. Uh, and this is we're basically at the point of the game where you can't really take primary fight notes because the fight can be so radically different based on how you went in. So, yeah, I uh, went in. Oh, go ahead just briefly on like the on on the tone of the fight it's very weird yeah uh, we we got so little characterization of the pilot pre-fight compared to the characterization that we got for fancy jack and for the woman who piloted junker yeah and this one you hear you get like one line about it being like you know for uh, a mining robot piloted by a pacifist native person of the ussa desert and uh, she keeps apologizing every time she hits you because she's like she has a bunch of like Catholic guilt essentially about how much fun she has fighting because she's not supposed to like fighting but she just like loves it so much and so every time that she hits you with a big attack she's like oh sorry so sorry and knife is like dude we're fighting you don't have to apologize all the time and then post fight it says knife also learned your opponent wasn't sorry and learned quick draw pummeling yeah knife will be less apologetic from now on yeah very good so when i was kidding out my back i took basically all of the low hp gear but as a result i had four action points and three movement points using the uh, movement point oriented body and a core with extra AP I got from giving pineapples to joy, which meant that in round one, I would already be in the middle of the arena and double rifle burst, getting rid of all of the armor and a full third of the health from the cockpit and still have AP left over to pop both cactus guard and seatbelts locked down. So I already have 30 armor on my guard arm already, which is max. So I only took 30 damage from the super move they open with. And then the next turn, I just move in and knockback punch, move one more and revolver punch. And the fight is immediately over. Mm. I take a single hit for 30 damage. Wild. This fight was perfect for me because 
Momoko is a mech that tries using my exact same moveset of keep away, except Momoko does it via a couple of little AoEs that do knockback, and I do sniper bullshit. So this was two rounds. One where you I get stri- the Dragon Elf already through the battle pass? Yup! Hell yeah. So I did one round to strip the 40 armor off the core, which is, I believe, the highest value we've seen yet outside of the battle pass. Uh-huh. And then Momoko proceeded to do the headbutt a couple of times to knock me around, which really only moved me one space. And then the next round was me unloading 400 damage into the core just to be spiteful. Oh my god. Uh, you do a Damn. lot of damage in the late game. Holy shit. Because, um, like, at, just really quick, because as uh, gear is tiered and so are the opponents in the battle pass, so is max armor. Max armor is tiered in the same. Which is why, mm. like, build diversity can expand because the fights start to take a little longer if you want to be defensive or your opponent is defensive, which just means, like, there's a lot more room to play with how you want to, like, do the combat. Yeah. Okay. This robot must get stat ups by just, like, leaping all over the arena, because if you took as long as I did, a lot of her turns will be, like, jumping forward, or, like, attacking you from a distance, jumping forward, jumping backward, jumping forward again, and it just, like, wants to expend all of its move points. Mm -hmm. This took me two tries. I had to restart once, uh, because my, it's, I'm going, like, very brawler heavy, very knockback heavy, but I haven't progressed as deep into the upgrade trees, uh, and, 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 like, higher gear. Like, I did get a lot of the higher gear um like the digging mini game and shit like the fact that you can get a low level piece of gear that you can then immediately sell back to zz is really nice for this stuff yeah you can get like a gold body that's like just here's 500 bucks yeah yeah exactly and so like there, there was enough for me to like you know actually play around with my build but essentially all of my attacks are on my right arm and so as soon as I disable the head, which is the first thing that I did, it, there's like, you know, a 25% chance that, that she's going to go for a body part that like does nothing for me except for eat damage. And also the other ability that's great for this is the uh, nano repair ability that heals you a little bit on one turn and then heals you over time for the next two or three turns. Mm-hmm meant that I could space out the nano repair just enough that I like didn't lose any equipment on the time that I actually won. Well, uh, there are very fun variants of that that heal less that give you like attack ups. So like based on your build, what I think you would have really wanted here is the slightly less healy attack up version of that. And then the uh, ribbon and tiara move because your uh, stance would trigger for each hit. Yeah, that's the ribbon and tiara move is the one that I that that's the next move that I'm going to buy. Um, it was just too expensive and I didn't uh, after I died once and I didn't want to go out and do more mini games. I just wanted to finish the fight. But uh, yeah, that's on, that's next on my list. Um, if you disable and I don't know if this is the case for for all of the robots, so this might just not be unique at all. But 
Momoko can still body slam you after you disable both arms. So yeah. she still has an attack. Well, it depends on where the move comes from. Like that is a that that is like a core move. So Momoko mm. will have that until the fight is over because it comes out of the, the chest, the cockpit part. Got it. Like the last fight, Junker. Junker does not have a part revive and all of the moves come off the arms except for the shield, which gives the armor and the knockback. So there, like all of the, the enemy builds follow the same rules as you do. So it just comes down to how are they kitted out? And there's like a lot of playing around with it. And if the game needs to cheat, it doesn't let you destroy the part that has the one hit kill move. I'm still bitter. <laughs> Are you sure? No. Okay. So after the usual post-fight celebration, uh, we we go back to the bar for our 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 typical like night celebrating the win. And uh, Joy says that she's finally got all the ingredients for uh, Knife's soul drink. He loves it. It's a pina colada because, of course, it's going yeah, to be pineapple. Of course, based. it is. Mm-hmm. Joy is like, there is still one drink left, and Nebraska's like, um, actually, I'm a minor. And uh, Duke, in his revelry, it's like earlier, Duke is like, hey, Shade, have you uh, have you told your daughter about the heist? She might be proud of you if you tell her about the heist. He's like, no, I don't want to tell my daughter about the crimes that I did. And so he's like going off and he almost spills about the bank robbery and Shade has to, has to like cut him off and uh, rescue the situation. What he says is, we, what he goes to say is, we might be bank robbers, but we're not criminals, which is an incredible <laughs> thing to say about yeah. underage drinking. Um. Joy then says Nebraska's drink. Uh, she like she's feeling martini vibes from Nebraska again. Joy really wants to serve alcohol to a minor. Uh, this whole time, uh, Fancy Jack rolls up. And he's like, "Yeah, ooh, martini, martini guy. I'm a martini guy." And Joy's like, mm, "I think whiskey on the rocks." And Fancy Jack's like, "No, I'm a martini guy." And Joy's like, "Well, then why am I getting whiskey vibes off of you? Just you know, accept your truth." Fancy Jack, you're a whiskey guy. And then we regain control on the rider. Duke is asleep at the bar. Jack's about to head out because we've been partying for a while. And in the rider, there's a man in a corpse paint, I guess, is what this is, who Mm -hmm. came here to see the Godworm fight. And while he's disappointed he's dead, the man is glad he got to see a good fight today. And then my favorite boys are back. It's Charlie and Peter. Charlie is stoked and says there was so much blood tonight. And Peter says that the ladybug mech didn't stand a chance against murder machine. And uh, Charlie and Peter were afraid of their safe for their safety because Charlie bought front row seats. Uh, and then they make <laughs> up a song about how we, the murder machine, are so good at fighting. <laughs> like the Charlie Boiler dialogue is really good because otherwise, if, like if the voice acting was worse, this would be the oblivion annoying. Hmm. I'm going to pretend I know what that is. Anyhow, it is now nighttime, and it actually took me a second to figure out what I needed to do, given that it gave me the menu. I went to the hangar thinking, oh, I have to lay down for bed. No one's at the hangar. So you go to the crapyard, and you can now investigate the screaming that Bounty Hog has been hearing from the area. You will actually hear it while you're on the road to the place. When you arrive, 
Z's cabin door is open, and the windows are flashing like it's poltergeist. Z is on her hands and knees outside and says she cannot take it anymore. It is getting out of hand fast. Nice little uh, touch here is that uh, ZZ has her hair untied and the sprite has like this really bouncy bouffant of hair that that like shifts as she shakes her head and stuff. It's good. Yeah. She's pretty pissed to see you've arrived in the middle of this and caught her in that state. But she comes clean and says that her niece is the one behind all the nocturnal screaming. Um, so this is what y'all were talking about when when I was like, you know, oh, you know, Hog hears screaming coming from Z's cabin at night and he thinks that she's up to something shady. And, and Chris, you were like oh, just you wait until you find out what it actually is. And I found out what it actually is, and I was expecting something dumber than this, I guess. Um, I don't know what you could have been expecting, because this turns out to be really fucking stupid, but in a good way. Yeah, yeah. So uh, her, her niece suffers from an unknown condition, and no hospital can find the cause. She sleeps all day long, and at wake, and at night awakes to bursts of excruciating pain. It's been six months since she last ate something, and Z doesn't even know how she's still alive. Shade tells Z that his brother went through something similar. Zizi is cautious at first, thinking Shade wants to con her and use her niece for for publicity like everybody else, uh, all the other con artists have. And so Shade uh, comes clean and tells her about his brother. His brother's pain happened during the day. Priests and doctors couldn't do anything. So eventually, as the only one who really cared, he decided to do things his way. Z agrees to trust him, and he agrees to help. He says he'll need to come back when she's asleep. It's too strong a presence for him to face. And we get a brand new title card that says, The Exorcism of Mayflowers, Part 1. Uh, Mayflowers, extremely friends of the table last name. Yeah, they all are. Mm-hmm. My only reaction to this title card popping up was a long, drawn-out "fuck off." <laughs> I don't know. This is a mini game. This is one step too far in terms of the. We only thought we were gonna get to do one game, so we threw in every idea we ever had. Concept. Uh, I also, think that's that. what makes Wolfstride weird, right? Because this, there's this studio is a bunch of developers who have all made indie games coming together to make this one game, which is why it's so overloaded with a ton of weird shit. But I've played other indie games that make this exact same mistake, and it, at a certain point, putting all your passions in goes from admirable to exhausting, and this was the point for me. This was my breaking point. Interestingly... Like, this is the episode where I finally, like, came around to fully liking Wolfstride's Holsties. And so I found this kind of charming. Um, we'll, we'll see if I continue to find it charming. It might just be that I'm just overall higher on the game right now because, like, things have finally opened up and I can finally kind of see the shape of it a little bit. I, look, as a guy that has a podcast network about things that I think are cool, I think it's cool and good to make the things you do only about what you think is cool. Mm. 
Also not mentioned here is that we leave this screen with the loading icon of a ghost above an eye just taking center stage and becoming giant. Oh, yeah. Huh. True, 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 true. Yeah. Yeah, you didn't realize that? No, I didn't notice because I was busy <laughs> typing. Uh, Had it. Then we get the uh, another run of the Midnight Strut sessions where we get some recap. And then we get the news that Patton Patrick has announced his retirement. And now everyone is talking about his Binder account. He was rank five, and people are upset that he's taking that he's taking that rank with him as the UGG refuses to appoint a new number five. According to the rules, he's supposed to have a retirement fight against an opponent of his own choice, but he refuses. He's only interested in the arena of life. Yeah, Foam Gun has some fun with this. Uh, he's just like, yeah, why Why can't an old guy just like, you know, pursue love in his old age? There, there's too much of a yeah, stigma And then he gets a bunch this. of hearts over his like fucking sick anime picture. Love that. Uh-huh. And then we get the news. And the news now is the USNA has entered, alert, entered an alert state as the biggest oil rig complex known as the Heart of the Pacific went out in an explosion tonight. The complex consisted of seven oil rig facilities responsible for drilling into the biggest oil reserve on the planet. The causes of the explosion are yet to be clarified. Wonder what that's about. The UN stated that this may be the worst environmental catastrophe to date, affecting over 7% of the world's oceans. Economists and USNA government officials are preparing for a huge slump that may impact every life on the planet. This is very close to something that happens. I can't remember if it's in the Pat Labor OVA or the first Pat Labor movie where there is uh, a terrorist attack on a massive oil rig. But like Nebraska's mention of mining robots and then immediately an oil rig collapse or explosion that is probably a terrorist attack of some well, kind or a, to a understand. attack. You're to understand that it was probably perpetrated by Komarov, the guy who came out of the coma and was like one of the most famous anti-oil war protesters to exist. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's just, you know, giving me very strong Pat Labor, Pat Labor vibes here. Yeah. That, that dog is also an agent for the Mujahideen. I just think he's sorcerer because we watched that last night. And uh, yeah, that also starts with an oil rig exploding. We think about what do we think about the section of Wolf's Drive? Because that's it for today. I loved it. I think it was having two free roam days in a row where enough variety of stuff was unlocked where like my loop was not just running back and forth and talking. It was like I was finally able to kind of immerse myself into the loop of like mini games, side quests, upgrading, and Everything that you do is finally starting to fold into the mech battles you're fighting. And so I it was like I was finally able to take a breath and and just play the dang game. And I really liked it for that. I think and I'm I'm gonna assume that Sybil's about to be down about this because the loop will not work for her because of the, the money situation. But like what it what it really is, is like this is where you get to stretch your wings in every way is you go around and you talk to everybody and every place you stop, you do a mini game and that gets you enough money to experiment with all of the new gear for this tier before the fight. Mm-hmm. So you're hitting all the narrative while also pumping up all the mechanics 
and testing out all your new gear in the battle pass. And then by the time you get to the fight, you have all your new gear, you have your new build, you've had like a satisfying narrative experience and you're like ready to go. And it's like broken up really well because you're not just doing too much plot in a row because you're doing a mini game mm-hmm. whenever you hit a spot. Yeah. Yeah. That's it, the like it, it. It's a bummer that it took, you know, 10, 11 hours of a, a shorter like shorter for a JRPG game to get there. But now that it's now that it's here, I'm like, oh, it, yeah. Okay, if we were not good. taking notes, this is like four hours. Sure. I think this section ran me under one, but that's obvious why. Well, I mean, from the beginning yeah. of the game to here, we're talking like four hours. Oh, oh, got it. Yeah. I thought you meant this week. I was going, what the hell did you all do? Okay. Yeah, no, I I actually really was enjoying the vibe on this part. At this point, it has opened up enough that I find it fascinating how much uh, you can resist the railroading outside of the objectives it sets in your guidebook. And I want to say, like, I still haven't seen the pineapple guy. I have not engaged with that system at all, and the game has not made yeah, it. Yeah, so this is where you get where like Wolfstride is like, oh, I am a cool video game, and I have a lot of weird problems, but I'm still a cool video game. This is where Wolfstride becomes like the cool seven out of ten that makes it worth talking. And like, mm. I'll be real: if I start getting stumped by some later game content, I'm going to start turning on the systems that I'm ignoring, and we'll see what that does for me. But right Good now, news. there's another tier of super battles waiting for you later. Cool. Because <laughs> I assume you already did all like the special. Have yeah, you tried yeah. any of those, by the way, right? Have you just gotten like, have you done any of the special battles and then gotten curb stopped by like end game mechs? Yeah, uh, yeah. I tried the three star challenge because I've done the first six tiers of the mm-hmm. battle pass, and I was like, maybe. Maybe I can do the three star. Absolutely not. Got just wrecked in motherfucker in here with like four hundred health on the core and like seventy armor. Fucking get stopped. That's it until now. We'll be talking about whatever the next stretch of Wolf Stride is. It will probably be up to another fight. Uh, I may have been overly ambitious when I thought we could do two to three fights for each of these because I did not anticipate the slowdown that it being a visual novel would cause. (laughs) See you around. Peace out, fuckers. Bye.